Hey, we're in a series of lessons called Sunday School. It's actually our sixth installment. It's our final installment in this series of lessons. What we've been doing is going back over six big Bible stories from the Old Testament. These are stories that I grew up with in church all my life. Maybe you did if you were in church. A lot of them are familiar if you're a churchgoer or you're not a churchgoer because uh, th these, these stories are so epic in proportion that they transcend really just Christianity and the biblical mindset and the biblical community. People all over the world talk about these stories, think about these stories, or are mentioned in these stories. Uh, we, we've talked about Noah and the flood. Uh, we, we've talked about M Moses and the Red Sea. We, we talked about Daniel and, and the, the lion's den a couple weeks ago. We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. We talked about Jonah and the big fish. And so many of these stories have implications not only on the event, but they're spoken of in other places in the Bible. I mean, we know that even Jesus himself talked about Jonah and the big fish. So Jesus, evidently, God in a body, knew that Jonah and the big fish was a real person and a real thing. Somebody better answer that phone. I hear Jesus calling up in here. So today, we're actually going to talk about this very last um, uh, lesson, this last big Sunday school story. And listen, everybody in the room, you've heard about it. Maybe you haven't heard the entire story. Maybe you haven't read all the particulars individually, but, but you have heard about this story. We are going to be talking today about David versus Goliath. Uh, from the time I was in Sunday school, it's a story that drew my, drew my heart, drew my attention, and, and uh, uh, hopefully to, today, uh, there, there's so many different things we could talk about concerning this particular story and this incident, and so we have you know, chosen every week one lesson to learn that we could drill down, and, and you can go back, and you can read, and you can listen on YouTube, and, and yet there's so many different lessons that we all can learn from each of these stories, but we're just bringing out one. And the lesson today that we'll talk about, it, it's kind of, kind of, everybody should understand this one, is how, how you can take down your giants. Everybody in the room today has some kind of giant you're probably facing. Might be marital, might be with your kids, might be in your mind, might be in your body, might be in your finances, might be in your future, might be something in your past trying to creep up in your life. It's a giant. It's, it's, it's strong. It's mighty. You think about it when you wake up in the morning. You think about it when you go to bed at night. It's really a giant that's protruding in your life, bigger than your own life, that wants to have entrance continually in you to speak to you. And what we're going to talk about today, this, this lesson about how you can take down your giants, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring four points that we see from the story that will marinate for a while, and hopefully you'll write some things down, because they're not the only lessons we can learn, but for today, I think it'll be eventful for all of us to just think about it, not only today, but during this week as all. Uh, as, as what we've said every single week, as we've had homework assignments that I've given to you. So here's your homework assignment. You need to read 1 Samuel 16, 17, and 18. Come on, how many one more time? This is our last hands up in the air. How many of y'all will read three chapters during the week? Can I, get a, can I get a hand wave? Can I wave it in the air? Come on, all right, all right, all right. 1 Samuel 16, 17, and 18. 1 Samuel 16 really starts where David's going to, you're going to find out how David got chosen, how David got, got, got picked by God, 
Chapter 17 really talks about the event. And chapter 18, I just figured we'd read chapter 18 because two chapters isn't enough. Can I get an amen? So David versus Goliath, as you know, as we've already said, everybody in the room has heard of this. It's, it's the little guy versus the big guy. It's the epic, it's the, it's, it's the proportional or, or, or disproportional battle. How the little guy can go to battle with the big guy, yet we know, everybody in the room knows this, whether you've read the story or not. Everybody in the world knows this, whether they've read the story or not, that, that David wins. It, it, it's talked about in sporting events. The, the, the little team actually beats the big team. The, the little guy runs faster than the big guy. It's talked about in the business community that the, the little business overcomes the big business and, and routes out the big business. The David versus Goliath uh, story and thought transcends not only, again, spiritual realm, biblical realm, but in the natural realm uh, as well. Nobody gave David any chance to beat Goliath. Nobody did. And what's amazing is that this is the realm and this is the environment where God thrives. So if you are in a situation right now that everybody has discounted you, everybody has written you off, you don't feel so good about where you're at right now, listen to me, you could be ready and you could be just like David and God could be bringing a great, great victory in your life. Can I get an amen? The backstory of this, uh, of this, this story is that David is the youngest of, of eight sons. God told the prophet Samuel, which you'll read about in chapter 16, to go to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's dad because he told him, I want you to go and anoint the next king. The king that was in leadership at that time was King Saul. King Saul had... had been turning his back on God, hadn't followed the plan of God. Pride and arrogance got in his own way. He began doing his own thing his own way. And God just simply told the prophet Samuel, I'm done with King Saul. I want you to go to Jesse's house and find the next king. So as Samuel, the prophet, comes to town, the whole, you'll read it. The whole town was moved saying, What's, what are you doing here, prophet? Because when the prophet showed up, things were happening. And he said, I've come in peace. And, and he told Jesse, get your sons together because God's chosen your family that, that there's going to be a king coming from one of your sons. So Jesse, as any dad would do, he probably gets all his sons, says, shave, get yourself clean shaven, put on your best clothes, and we're going to stand before the prophet because one of you boys is going to be the next king. As he parades the first one before the prophet Samuel, Here's what God then speaks and shows to Samuel as this, this first boy is before him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, notice what it says. The Lord actually looked, told him and said, this isn't the, first, this isn't the one. The first boy comes. You know dad's giving him the best. This has got to be the one. This has got to be the next king. But the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at, come on, say it with me, the heart. The heart. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the inside. And what man admires and what man elevates, God really doesn't care. God doesn't care what it looks like. God doesn't care what you look like on the outside. 
God is after your heart being pure and right before him. So Jesse then brings all the other boys. All, the, the, there was eight sons total, but one wasn't there at this time. So he brings these other six, seven total before the prophet. And, and somehow God spoke to the prophet and said, that's not the one. The next one comes, that's not the one. That's not the one. And the prophet finally tells Jesse and says, is this all the sons you have? And he says, well, I've got one, the youngest son, is out watching the sheep. And the prophet says, I won't sit down, I won't even turn my back until you bring him here. And Jewish tradition says, and teaches, that's not the Bible now, Jewish tradition says that they believe that David wasn't even the quote-unquote legitimate son of Jesse. Meaning, they believe that Jesse had a relationship with another woman, and that's why David was not even considered to be brought as one of Jesse's sons. He's kind of a half-son. He's kind of a half-breed. Not just because he's youngest he's watching the sheep, but because he doesn't even really belong in the family. And if you are here today and you have been considered as an outsider, or you feel that in your own soul, you feel that in your own family, you feel that in your own workplace or environment, listen to me, if your heart will be directed toward God in purity and love and attention, God doesn't care what man advances, God can supersede all of that. Can you say amen? Check out verse 12 through 13. It says, so when Jesse brought word now he was this boy David was a ruddy complexion with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance and the Lord said to Samuel arise and anoint him for this is he verse 13 says and Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers how many you know this probably shocked all the boys Come on, how many believe that God can do something in the presence of your enemies? Come on, everybody. In the presence of your haters, in the presence of everybody who just wrote you off. It says, in the spirit of the Lord, here's the greatest thing, the spirit of the Lord came upon David mightily from that day forward, and then Samuel went, and he, he just left and went to Ramah. He went back home. The spirit of the Lord came on David. David was anointed. David was called. David was chosen. David was set apart by God. Listen to me, every believer in the room you have the same call on your life. God's chosen you. God's handpicked you. The scripture says in Psalm 139, before you were even born. It makes no difference who says you can't be on my team. I don't want to hire you. I'm not gonna, I don't like your resume. Uh, whatever anything is going on in your life, listen to me. God has already chosen you to be his son, to be his daughter. The spirit of the Lord. I love it. What it says that the spirit of the Lord came on David mightily. So there's something about a man, a woman, a teenager, a young adult that has been called by God. You can expect God and his spirit to be moving in you and through you in a mighty way. You need to expect that because that is the call of every person who has been chosen by God. Chapter 17 starts talking about this young guy named David who was anointed by the prophet in the presence of all his brothers, everybody who wrote him off, and we'll find out how deep that goes in this story. And there's always an epic battle in the Old Testament. 
good versus evil, light versus dark, if you will. This is the battle of Israel against the Philistines. It seems like when you read the Old Testament journal, they're always in a fight. At this occasion, the scripture says that this huge man named Goliath, who you know of, has come out and he is defying the armies of the living God. On one mountain, we've got Israel. On the next mountain, we've got the Philistines. And there's a valley in between. And the scripture says, 40 days and for 40 nights, twice a day, this giant of a man comes out and he says, here's what we're going to do. You guys choose a man to fight me. And if he beats me, we'll serve you. If I beat him, you serve me. And the scripture is real clear. You're going to read it and you're going to go, what's going on? How come nobody's moving? How come nobody's changing anything? How come nobody's going out against this guy? We'll talk about that. This dude named Goliath, again, when you read the Bible, we don't exactly know the measurements, exactly how they are, are, are with us today, the, the, the exact measurements. But, but it talks about a cubit, C-U-B-I-T. You'll see it over and over in the scripture. We don't exactly know how long that is or how big it is, but most theologians believe that Goliath was somewhere around nine feet, nine inches tall. Come on, that's a behemoth of a man. The, the, the Bible says, as you read it this week, is that he had a coat of mail, a bronze coat of mail that he wore that weighed 126 pounds. He had uh, uh, on his shins uh, uh, this bronze covering. He had a bronze helmet on, on him. Man, when that brother was walking, come on, he looked like the real Iron Man. Come on, everybody. His javelin weighed 33 pounds that he's going to throw in defense. And, and what, I, what, what I think is really kind of humorous when you read the account, I don't know, I, I, I chuckle at the Bible when I read it. This brother's almost 10 feet tall, you know, got a, got a coat of mail, weighs, weighs uh, you know, 126 pounds. He's got a 30, 33, 36 inch, you know, 30 pound javelin, and he's actually got an armor bearer. Come on, somebody. He's actually got a little dude out there holding a shield. It's pretty funny to me. Maybe you don't see that as funny, but I do. In, in the natural, this dude's weaponry, his size was just superhuman. It was, it was like... It invoked fear. And this is the tactic of every giant in your and my life. They invoke fear. You're not going to change. You can't get out. This is the way it's always going to be. I'm going to dominate you. Don't get out of bed. You're depressed. Don't take that position at work. You can't do it. Don't come to church. Nobody loves you. It's fear that comes every day, twice a day in this story, to taunt you and to talk you down from standing up and fighting your giant. Now, everybody in the room, again, everybody in the world, almost, knows the story. The end of the story is that David goes out and he fights Goliath, and that David actually wins. Let's talk about Four things this morning on how you can defeat your giant. Because what I found over, you know, 42 years serving God is that just because you have defeated a giant doesn't mean another giant won't show up. Giants are always going to show up in your human experience on this earth. Thank God for heaven when there's no more giants. Can I get an amen in the room? 
First thought I want to bring to you this morning as we talk about how you defeat your giant is this. Rely on the anointing. Rely on the anointing. The scripture says, we read it a moment ago, that David was anointed by the prophet Samuel in the presence of his brothers, his father. The word anointing is a word from Old Testament to New Testament. It means to smear, to rub, or to consecrate. In other words, when something is anointed, it leaves just a natural use and it takes on a supernatural use. It leaves just natural capacities and now it's consecrated. It's set apart from God to do something supernatural. David, we read it, when he was anointed with that oil, the spirit of the Lord came on him mightily. Now, thank God for all of us that made Jesus the Lord of our life. When we said yes to Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit has come to live into our life. Amen, everybody? The scripture is real clear. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells and lives. Come on, dwells and lives on the inside of you. He quickens you. He strengthens you. And so we can, we can say that the same anointing that was on David, the same spirit of the Lord that came on David has now come on you. Listen to me. Every giant you face, every battle you encounter, you are already anointed to defeat it. One golf clap. Praise the Lord. That's all right. <laughs> I really believe this. If that, if that we will yield to the anointing. If we'll yield to the anointing. In other words, when we're faced with fear or I'm going to walk in the love of God. I'm, love meaning, I, I don't believe faith is the opposite of fear, by the way. I believe love is the opposite of fear. Because fear brings torment, but those who have been perfected in love, come on, man, that's what the scripture says in 1 John. So I love God. So even though I'm seeing fear, even though the hair stand up in the back of my neck, even though my heart's patting a little bit, I, I love God. So God's, God's love's going to get me through. We sang about that this morning. Come on, everybody. So no matter what you're going through, I'm going to rely on the anointing. I'm going to rely on the anointed one, Jesus, who lives on the inside of me. There's a scripture over in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, and it says this. It says, and, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. In the Old Testament, again, we know that the analogy here is talking about animals that were yoked together. There was this huge wooden yoke that would be on mainly oxen as they're plowing fields or doing whatever they're doing agriculturally. And the stronger oxen would always yield, would always, uh, always steer uh, the, the, the direction of, of, of the younger one that it was yoked to. And, and the scripture is telling us that, that the enemy has brought burdens in your life. The, the, the enemy is putting things on your shoulder, weight of whatever it is that you're dealing with. And the scripture says, tells us and gives us a great word picture that that yoke from your neck and is going to be destroyed because of the anointing or that anointing on your life, the anointing on the word of God. The, do you realize that Jesus Messiah, the word Messiah actually means the anointed one? Christ is the anointed one. What is he anointed to do? Remove the burden of sin. Destroy the effects of the curse in your life. Come on, come on, bring salvation and all its goodness in your and my life. Remove fear from your life, discouragement, lack of peace. Come, come on, 
Come on, everybody. He's anointed. Rely on the anointing. On the anointing. Uh, again, this scripture actually, uh, one, you'll maybe read some different translations. It talks about that, that this yoke and this burden will be destroyed because of the fatness. That's what it says. The fatness. What, what is that talking about? Come on, you've been eating at Tacos Gordo all, you know, all week long? Can I get a amen up in here? No, no, but, but it's talking about your neck. Your neck is so fat. You, you cannot be yoked. You can't be yoked. That, that problem, that giant can't yoke you and bring you down. That, that depression, that, that, that sickness, that fear of, of what tomorrow is going to bring can't yoke you and bring you down. The anointing of God in your life, come on, just breaks that thing off your shoulders, off your life. David realized, I'm anointed by God. There's nothing I can't do. My heart is directed with God. With God, all things are possible. Come on, everybody. Man, someone said this, that the anointing of God is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. What is the anointing? It's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. So here's a kid. People think that he's a teenager, somewhere around 17 years of age. He's been anointed by the prophet, and he's going to face a giant. He's going to face a situation that nobody will read, nobody would face. Nobody else would go after him. His brothers who were on the battlefield wouldn't face Goliath. His friends who were on the battlefield wouldn't face Goliath. But he says to himself, I'm sure God's anointed me. God's with me. And we, when you read chapter 17, you'll be alarmed with the strength that's inside this teenager, a strength that now resides in you regarding every giant you face as well. I love Acts 10, 38. It says concerning our Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed to the devil. How did Jesus do what Jesus did? The scripture is real clear. He stripped himself of all his deity, all his glory while he was on the earth, his glory, and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. We know when John the Baptist baptized him, he came out of that Jordan River. The Holy Spirit came on him like a dove from that time forward. Jesus was anointed. The same spirit that's on Jesus is on his church. The same spirit within Jesus is within his church. The same spirit within Jesus is within you. Rely on the anointing. We're not relying on ourselves. We're not relying on just even, even with Jesus. He wasn't relying. Just the anointing wasn't just for him. The anointing was to set other people free. So can I tell you something? Somebody needs to see you defeat your giant so they can defeat their giant. Somebody needs to see you work out your marriage and get healed in your marriage because they're going through it. Someone needs to see how you handle crazy teens because they're getting ready to have some crazy teens. Come on, everybody. You're anointed to do whatever God's called you to do. I, I, one preacher said this, and I wrote it down. I, I stuck it with, you know, wrote it down years ago. I, I don't know how you think about this, but, I, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, he said this. He, he said, King Saul was ex-anointed. Ex he was ex-anointed. When you read the story, maybe a couple chapters earlier, Samuel actually anointed him to be king. And, and now he's not acting like the king. He's turned his back on God. He, he's the ex-anointed. 
Someone said this, the army of Israel was the unanointed. They, they could have been. They could have stood up to Goliath. But li listen to me. The anointing requires action. In other words, since I am anointed, I have the ability to face every giant. I'm anointed. I don't have to run. I don't have to cower. I don't have to go back. <laughs> the army of Israel was unanointed because of no action. And Goliath and the Philistines, they really represent those people that are the anti-anointing. We hate God. We hate the things of God. We're, we're anti-Christ. We're anti-God's way. And yet we got this one little kid who is anointed by God and represents a man or a woman whose heart is directed by God who can fight every single giant that comes their way. Rely on the anointing. It'll stir you up. It'll say, stand up today. It'll say, move forward today. It'll say, you can win today. The anointing of God inside every believer. Second thing, how you can defeat your giant. Remove others' expectations. I think this is huge. Remove other people's expectations. Listen, you're not living to try to impress anybody. So just remove everybody's expectations. You're going to read it. When, when David went to King Saul, it's pretty humorous. Again, you'll read the story. When David heard about, he, 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 David came to the battlefield. And David saw this dude come up and taunting the armies of the living God. And David's going, what, pardon me, can I say it in church? What the hell is going on? How come nobody is doing anything with this guy? How come nobody's fighting him? And all of a sudden, his friends started saying, well, you know, anybody who fights Goliath and wins gets the king's daughter. Come on, how many know teenager? He's listening now. <laughs> Scripture says he actually gets a pot of money. Come on, he gets some crypto. How many know teenagers are listening now? And he says, there's no taxes. Woo, come on, somebody. Say, we live in the California now. <laughs> and so David, da David says, uh, I'm going to fight this brother. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go after him. But then David goes to King Saul, and he says, I'm going to fight Goliath. And the king was skeptical. He says, you're not able. That's the first words he says. You're not able. You're a youth. This brother has been fighting people and giants, other people, since he was a youth. And listen to me. If you are waiting for anybody to give you kudos on Instagram, on TikTok, or on Facebook for you to face your giant, you're not going to get many. You're not going to get many. But when David talked to the king a little further, and the king couldn't be persuaded, you know what the king said? Okay. But he says, use my armor. Use my armor. Now, if you want to do some more reading, flip back a couple chapters before what I told you. And when King Saul was actually chosen, the scripture says he was head and shoulders taller than everybody. So we've got a six foot six man, let's call him. And we've got a kid who's probably 5'10". How many know the armor just isn't going to fit? 
It's like the boy, come on, your son's going into your closet when they were small, putting on your shoes or on your shirts, as we probably all had if you have sons or daughters, I'm sure, with women with your dresses, etc. They, they just wouldn't fit. They wouldn't fit. And, and so what you're going to have to do when you face your giant is you're just going to have to mentally remove other people's expectations, what they think you should do about your giant. I'm real quick to, and, and forgive me, but because sometimes it works, sometimes it's not. When, when I'm listening to somebody's problem, that's why I'm not a real great counselor. I'm, so that's why I don't do any counseling. I'm just not real great at it. Because I, I sit across the table from somebody, and they talk to me for 30, minute, for 30 seconds, and I've already got their answer. Come on, somebody. I, I've got their answer. I've got scriptures, and I'm just giving it. I'm giving it. And, and, and when, it comes to, when it comes to whatever giant you're facing, you might have some people in your life and they're going to tell you every single thing that you should do. And if you listen to every single thing, you are going to be utterly confused. And if you try to do it their way, it's going to be just like you trying to wear Saul's armor. It doesn't fit. There are things in all of our lives, as we'll talk about, that fit in your life. But there's some nuances that just don't fit. We find out in the story, too, that King Saul, as we said, didn't even expect David to fight Goliath. He didn't expect him. He wasn't the kid. He wasn't the one he was thinking might show up. They're all hiding, hanging out for 40 days. Nobody's fighting this brother. And who would think that this young kid, again, man, looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. So let's pray and believe God. If you're in leadership in business, leadership in the church, looking around, that God gives us discernment to the hearts of people so that we can then fan that flame that they'll be even further moving and, and, and be leaders in whatever God's called them to be. Amen, everybody? Amen. You don't need anybody's approval to be great. Just be great anyway. He, David, David, you know, as he comes to Saul, maybe he was expecting, hey, I'm with you, I'm behind you. He didn't get any of that. So you're going to have to remove the expectations of people over you. And where it gets really awful, and this is where all of us have probably been at a time or two in our life, but maybe you're here now, is that David's brothers didn't even expect him to win. David's brothers didn't expect him to go out against Goliath. And when it comes to family, I have seen many, many people just get sidetracked at family who doesn't think they can fight and defeat any giant. And maybe you're there today, and you've got to shake yourself to say, I don't care what my family says. I know I'm anointed by God. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I want to do my life God's way. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan for my life. And I'm... I'm anointed with fresh oil. I got some burden removing, yoke-destroying power in my life, not because I'm the sharpest knife in the drawer, but because God called me. He saved me. He delivered me. He redeemed me. He restored me. Come on. He renewed me. He gave me his spirit. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are new. I'm going to trust God, but his brothers, his brothers, the scripture says, belittled him. They, they actually came to him, and, and one of the brothers comes to him and says to David, he's on the bat, he's getting, he's getting ready to fight Goliath. And one of his brothers has the audacity to say to him, who have you left those sheep with? Huh. Man, man, 
those few sheep with. You don't even belong here. And then David said something amazing. You'll read it. He says, is there not a cause? Listen to me. There is a cause for you to defeat every giant in your life. It's not just about your life. It's about making the name of Jesus famous in your family. Famous in Chula Vista. Come on, famous in South San Diego. Come on, famous out there in the desert called El Cajon. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Man, family accusations, they can be lethal. Just lethal. Man, shame, guilt, tactics of the enemy just to impair you. Man, just the, the, the accusation of the enemy through people that you love. And you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to switch that. You're gonna have to turn that. You can honor people, but not listen to people. But let me encourage you. If you're gonna defeat your giant, you're gonna have to remove the expectations of people around you. Um, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago and I wrote it down. Maybe this will help somebody, maybe it's just for me. Negative expectations will mess with your head. Negative expectations. Pessimism. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's never been done before. I, I don't know how to do this. And, and just negativity in your life. But, but something on the opposite side of that is that positive expectations can mess with your heart. Meaning this, full of pride. I can do this. I got this. I really don't need God. I've been here before. Listen to me. Negative expectations and positive expectations can both derail you from you defeating your giant. Here's what I encourage you to do that the scripture says. Put your expectation on God. Put your expectation, put your confidence in God. Follow him. Act according to the word. Come on, leave the results to God. Whatever giant you are facing... Just put your expectation in God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to do my part, but I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be negative, but I'm sure not going to be boastful and prideful that I got this. I've been here before. I defeated giants before. You know, this is a no, and we go in it nonchalantly. No, 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 no. I'm going to go into every battle putting my confidence and my trust and my expectation on God. Anybody in a room like that? Yeah, yeah. How you defeat your giant? Come on, you're listening real good. Come on, two more, two more thoughts. How am I going to defeat my giant? What we're going to do is we're going to run towards him. We're going to run towards him. The scripture is so amazing. As David winds up, you know, being out there, Goliath shows up. Choose a man to fight. He's saying those words, you know, we'll serve you or you serve us. And, and all of a sudden, this good-looking, ruddy face, somebody you think, you know, his complexion, a little reddish, we don't know. He, he comes up to the battlefield. He, he's got a staff in his hand, his shepherd's staff. And, 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 and he's, got, he's got a sling, and he's got a little pouch, and we'll talk about that. And, 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 and there's Goliath. And we don't know how far the, 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 the yards are between the two. But the scripture says that David, he didn't saunter up. He didn't have pants on the ground. He, he, he was running. He ran to Goliath. Listen to me. So there's something about you and your giant that God says for you to defeat your giant, you must run towards your giant. 
So the question then would be, Gary, you know, how do I run toward my giant? Listen, we run towards our giants with our confession of who God is and what God will do. This is how we run. This is what we do when we're faced with a giant. We don't cower. We don't hide. We're anointed by God. We know that. Come on, come on. I'm not going to look at anybody else's expectations, but I'm going to run towards my giant. Listen to me with my confession that he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's God almighty. He's God on the throne. Come on. He's Lord over heaven and earth. He's my savior. He's my healer. He's my shepherd. He's my peace. He's my confidence. He's my righteousness. Come on, church. We run with our mouth. Man, Hebrews 4.12, I love it in the Amplified. Check it out. For the word, check it out, that God speaks. Let's say it this way. The word that God did speak in our scriptures, but the word that God speaks every day to you. The word that God speaks is alive. It's full of power. It makes it active operative, energizing, and effective, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So no matter what comes against you and I, God says, I have given you the ability to defeat that giant, to defeat it, if you will run at your giant with my word. My word is active, it's operative, it's energizing, it's effective. It will do what it's supposed to do in your life and through your life if you will believe it and you will act on it and you will speak it through your mouth. Speak it. Run towards your giant with your mouth. The scripture says as David runs to Goliath, before that, Goliath was cursing David, cursing at him. Cursing is God's. Check out what the scripture says. Chapter 17, verse 43. Goliath says, am I a dog? He roared at David that you come to me with a stick, little stave, little, little shepherd's rod. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, he says, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. Come on, somebody read it with me. David replied. Come on, one more time. David, everybody in the back and in the front. David replied to the Philistine. You better talk back to your giant. Because your giant is talking to you. All day, every day, some of you. And he said to this giant, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Come on, somebody. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. Look what he says. Today, come on, come on. There's going to be a battle today, but I know how it's going to turn out. Today, the Lord, listen to me, the Lord will, not I will. My, my expectation isn't that I will. Now, I know I'm part of it. But I know this whole deal. He's anointed me. The Lord is going to conquer you. And I am going to kill you. And I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to tell you how it's going to end. I'm cutting off your head. How many of you know that's just some teenager talk right there? 
and then I'm going to give the dead bodies of your men to the birds of the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Can somebody say amen? And everyone assembled here, everybody on both sides of these mountains are going to know that the Lord rescues his people. That's what he does. But not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you, come on, he's going to give you to us. He's going to give you to us. Listen to me. When Goliath spoke, and you, come on, let's be real. <laughs> you got the doctor's report? You got that situation with your kids at school? You got that crazy thing going on in your head or whatever? When you look at it, come on, a little bit nervous, a little bit whatever. You got to calm yourself. I'm anointed. I'm going to rely on God. Uh, I'm going to remove any expectation. God, God's with me here right now. But now I've got a choice whether I let that have the last word of my life or whether I enact the covenant of God. When Goliath spoke, David had the last word. When David said this, this is when David then ran. Never, a good friend of ours, Mark Hankins, says this, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. You run with your words. Listen, your confession in the word of God activates the covenant. The covenant of God that God says, I'll be with you. I'm strengthening you. My grace is sufficient for you. Come on, I'm going to give you peace in the midst of a storm. This situation will change. Your confession activates the covenant. The prophet Jeremiah says God's watching over his word, just ready to perform it. Daniel, as we read a couple weeks ago, the scripture says an angel came to Daniel and said, I've come in response to your words. 21 days ago, when you began praying, God heard and God sent the answer. I've come in response to your words. So listen, what are you saying about your giant? And then secondly, what are you saying to your giant? What are you saying? Never going to get out. This way it's always going to be. This way all the situation is going to be. Never going to change. Then listen, when you read Numbers 13 about the spies that went into the land that God told Moses, this is your land. The scripture says they saw giants. They saw crazy stuff. Ten of them said we can't. Two of them said we can. The ten that said we can't died in the wilderness. The two that said that they could went into the land of promise. Don't tell me what you say doesn't have eternal benefit. You are snared and I am snared by the words of my mouth or I am set free by the words of my mouth when I speak covenant enacted words. Come on, we can defeat the giants of, God, uh, giants of the enemy when we run towards them speaking the word of God. Can somebody say praise God? Come on, one last thought. Let's give you one last thought since every good preacher has more than three points. I don't know if that, that's not true. How you defeat your giant. Just re remember what you have. We've talked about it a little bit already. But, but remember what you had. When, when, when David went and was standing in front of King Saul, and he says, I, I, can, I can defeat this guy. I, I, I can take him out. Uh, he, he's not going to be a problem. And, and then, then 
We read, we, we talked about it. King Saul says, you know, brother, this, this guy's been fighting since he was a youth. You're just a kid right now. Uh, you can't do this. But then David goes back and David says something to the king that we have no record of him ever doing. He says this. He says, King, let me tell you something. When a lion or a bear came up and stole one of my lambs, I went after him. I got my shepherd's hook, rod. I beat the lion. I beat the bear. And I took that sheep out of their mouth. What David is saying. I've been here before. I've been here before. I've been here before. I'm, I'm remembering what you did. I'm remembering how you delivered me. I'm remembering how you restored me. I'm remembering how you saved me. You did it with the lion. You did it with the bear. They came up and I, I, I not only got the sheep from them, but he says this, I killed them. I killed them. Those lions aren't roaring no more. There'll be some other giants, but let me tell you what, that lion and that bear, they are no longer a problem to me. And he tells <laughs> what he's saying to the king, this Goliath, he might be a problem right now, but after I face him, he will not be a problem anymore. And so David does something that I want to encourage you to do, to remember what you have. The scripture says, that he doesn't put on Saul's armor. He doesn't ask a buddy, hey, you got an AR? Hey, you got a big knife? Hey, um, how are we gonna take out this dude? He remembers what he has, what's good for him. I'm a shepherd. I've got my, my rod and I've got my slingshot. That's how I defeat enemies. And so he goes down to the stream or goes somewhere and the Bible says he chooses five smooth stones and it's interesting when you read the story it's not in the, the three chapters I'm asking you to read but it's interesting side thought is that Goliath most theologians believe these other giants had four other brothers and so David's thinking and David might have known that <laughs> if I kill that big knucklehead and some of his family comes out they're going down too they're going to go down too We fight with the weapons that are in our hand. Don't miss it. You fight your giant with the weapons that are in your hand. Scripture says in chapter 17, verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. We talked about that. And reaching into his shepherd's bag, he took out a stone and he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. Can somebody say amen, amen, amen. There's always something in our hands to defeat our giants. Listen to me. There's always, there's something right now in your hand to defeat the giant you're facing. Go throughout the litany of scripture. Jesus preaching to the multitude. Three days, nothing to eat. 
But there's five loaves and there's two fish and it feeds a multitude. We read the account with Moses and Moses is the Red Sea and God says, quit crying to me. Lift up the rod. And the sea began to part. Gideon, as he's facing this crazy, crazy Midianite army, God gives him a plan and says, get a pitcher in one hand, get a trumpet in the other hand, smash the pitcher, and the enemy's going to be confused. There's always something in your hand. Samson finds a jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand different Philistines. Listen to me, God hands us the victory. Something's in your life right now. Something's in your hand right now. Listen to me. <laughs> we have the ever-living Word of God in our hands right now. We have the ever-present Holy Spirit in our hands right now. We have prayer that's in our hands right now. We have the body of Christ. If maybe you'll be open and honest with somebody close to you and say, I got a real issue I need you to pray for me about. We've got the body of Christ here at Spectrum and maybe some other friends in a small group that you can be open and see the power of God work in your life because God has put something right now in your hands. You do not have to face every battle alone. God hands us the victory. You cannot beat a spiritual opponent with physical or natural weapons. The scripture says our fight, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against these principalities and powers and world rulers, spirits of darkness in heavenly places. And so we arm ourselves with spiritual weapons. Come on, we have the helmet of salvation. We, we've got the breastplate of righteousness. We've got our loins girt about with truth. Come on, we got, we got peace on our feet. we got the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. And we take it up and we defeat giants that come in our life, just like David defeated this physical, physical giant. You're anointed with God. You're anointed by the Holy Spirit. No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, no matter what, what, what your current situation is right now, you're anointed by God to stand up and place your expectation on Him. Place your expectation on the covenant, on the Word of God, to see that giant fall in your life. You can defeat the giant. You run to the giant with your confession. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can be who God says I can be. I'm strong in the Lord. The power of God's in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm a world changer because of Jesus Christ. I got the peace of God. I got the love of God in me. Not because of me. My expectation is on him. Your covenant says that's the way it is. I remember. I'm remembering. I'm remembering what I have. I'm remembering what you've done in my life. Yeah, there have been a time. I, I defeated the lion. I defeated the bear. Yeah, I went through some struggles. But Lord, how you got me out, you're going to get me out again. I'm not going to try to do anything different. I'm going to remind myself of your faithfulness and your goodness. Come on. Everybody in the room, you're a giant killer. You're a giant killer. You're a giant killer. Come on, stir yourself up. I'm a giant killer. I'm a giant killer. I'm not going to go down. This isn't going to take me down. I might feel like it right now. It, it might feel like it right now. I got my, my, my knee's wobbling right now. Family doesn't believe in me. Uh, family's accusing me. People at work, they don't believe I can handle this thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing some stuff that in the natural, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reposition my foundation in who God is and what he's called me to do. That with God, 
all things are possible. You don't look at the outside. You look at my heart. So the thing we have to continually plow up is our heart to be pure and right before God. Because we are living in a generation that they need to see the church of Jesus Christ stand up and be who God's called us to be. So many giants, so many voices, so many crazy things going on in culture. We need to be the people of God to say, you've anointed us, not just for us, but to set captives free. Amen. Come on, all over the room. Why don't you do this? Yeah, come on, let's give God a hand clap praise this morning. Yeah. Come on, why don't you do something different this morning? Come on, why don't you stand up? Everybody in the room, why don't you stand up? Come on, bow your head. You've been sitting for a while, probably too long. All over the room. Father God, in Jesus' name, we ask you right now for your goodness and your strength and your glory to be manifest in our lives, Father. I pray that every giant, every situation, every person, every wickedness that we come against in our life that would try to derail us, that you give us a word in season. Father, would you do that? Would you give a word in season to him who's weary, as you said in Scripture? Would you anoint us with fresh oil as the psalmist prayed? Father, would you fill our cup to overflowing? Oh God, that in the middle of a season, in the middle of a time, in the middle of a testing, that we would sense you and we would see you. Come on, all over the room. Let's just lift a hand to the Lord and say, that's me, that's just me. I, I need you right now. I need you. I need you. I need you. So I draw near. I draw near with my heart. I draw near my hands raised to say, Lord God, every giant, every circumstance coming against me, Father God, I believe you're well able. My expectation is on you that this situation will be defeated in my life. Father, I pray you give every person in this room scripture, word to speak over their giant and to their giant fighting words oh god that will shut the mouth of lions and father god as we have studied all in this series how you delivered noah and his family you're going to deliver us how you brought the nation of israel through the red sea you're going to bring us through this impossibility lord god how you strengthened Daniel to pray in the face of death. You're strengthening us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men who said, we're just not gonna bow, we're not gonna burn. Their confession, their trust and confidence in you was strong. And Father, we honor you and we trust you in this house today to move in us and through us. Let us be people surrendered to God. So all over this room, while your heads bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around, come on, just give everyone the right to privacy. If you're here or online as well, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're away from God, and you say, I'm ready to make a change today. I, I need Jesus in my life. I need God in my life. I've got an awareness of him. I need him in my life. I'm going to count to three. If you want to be included in this prayer, we'll say a prayer out loud. You won't be alone. 
just slip up a hand. Say, that's me. Include me in that, Pastor Gary. Pray for me. And the power of God is going to come into your life. A spiritual transaction is going to happen in your life. It's happened multiplied millions and probably billions of times all over the earth since Jesus went to heaven. Be one that's included in that, where heaven can be your home, where a new start can happen for you again today. Come on, all over the room. You don't know Jesus. You want to know him. You're away from him. You want to be restored back to him today. Come on, when I count to three, lift your hand. One, two, three, all over the room. That's me. That's me. Pray for me. I don't know Jesus. Pray for me. Awesome. Awesome. I see those two hands. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for that. You can put your hands down, you too. Come on, we're going to join with you. You that raised your hand, you say this out loud. We're going to pray it out loud with you. You won't be alone. Mean it in your heart. Say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, everybody. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord, be my Savior forever and ever. I repent, I change my mind, I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody, clap like you never made it before. Come on, we thank God. People's lives are being changed. Come on, everybody. Come on, what a great day, come on. Come on, come on, we can clap just a second longer. Jesus is Lord.